You're listening to the audio sermon podcast of First Baptist Church of Marble Falls, Texas. For almost 130 years, FBCMF has served Marble Falls and the greater Highland Lakes area faithfully through children's programs, youth activities, and adult discipleship. We invite you to join us each and every Sunday morning at 9 and 10.30 a.m. for deep fellowship, rich worship, and a spirit-filled message. For those who find themselves unable to attend on a Sunday morning, we stream those services. Simply visit fbcmf.live during either of our service times to view it. Never miss an archived sermon by subscribing to our podcast on either SoundCloud or iTunes. And to learn more about our church or watch a video version of this and other sermons, please visit us online at fbcmf.org. I think that this has been an intriguing and fun sermon series so far. We, we've been taking um, the basic uh, behaviors that we often display and our, our thought processes and examining them by the light of Scripture to see whether or not they they hurt or they help our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we've been uh, recognizing that a lot of our behaviors will um, resemble popular board games, and so we're calling the messages the games that we play. And some people have come up to me and given their games, and they said, Ross, are you gonna get to my favorite game? And then they'll list it and list it and, and tell me, but y'all, there, there's a lot of games that I'm just not going to get to. If your favorite game, as some of you have said to me, is Farkle, I'm so sorry. Uh, or backgammon, as, as I've heard. No, we're not doing those games, no tiddlywinks, but we are getting chess in. And, uh, and that's important. I'm excited to talk about this. Chess is very different from all of the other games we've talked about. Um, some of you will remember in 1972, the most famous chess game that was ever played between Bobby Fischer and a Russian, a, a Soviet named Boris Spassky. And, and it was right in the middle of the Cold War, and so there was a lot riding on this, on this chess game. All of the Americans were rooting for Bobby Fischer, and, and then, of course, all of the Soviets and Russians, they, they're, they're rooting for Boris Spassky. And, and during the first game, um, Bobby Fischer, who was considered the, the greatest chess player in the world at that time, he made a crucial mistake. He buries his head into his hands and, and Boris Spassky wins. And Bobby Fischer's mad because he said that it's because the audience was distracting him with all of their noise. And, and it, Bobby Fischer was kind of an eccentric guy anyway. And, and because they didn't address some of the situations, the audience didn't and the cameras, he didn't even show up for game two. And it was the best out of 12. And so he didn't even show up and they gave round number two, the second game, to Boris Spassky again. And so now Boris Spassky is up two to zero on Bobby Fischer. Well, Bobby Fischer comes to the third game, but before the game starts, he tells the whole audience that they can't say a word and he goes to the cameras and he adjusts all of the cameras himself so that the camera guys, he, he, he says when they move their camera, he can hear it. And he says they have to be too quiet and so he's just an eccentric guy. He ends up beating Boris in game number three and then he wins all of the rest of them and just kills him. And, and so Bobby Fischer is the best and, and then all of the Americans are excited because it's in the middle of the Cold War and they're going USA, USA. Apparently during the Cold War, even chess matters. And, uh, but it, it was the greatest chess game that was ever, ever played. Um, chess is, is different. 
than other games. When you come together with your family during Christmases and times, what you don't say is, hey everybody, let's all get together and play chess. Um, chess is just different, it's, it's cerebral, it's serious. It's not a game that everybody just laughs and has a good time. It's not necessarily a game of just everybody building relationships. Chess is serious. Uh, many of you might have seen the movie, The Queen of Katwe. It's a great movie, it's a true story about a, a wonderful Ugandan girl named Fiona Matesi. And, and she grew up in poverty, but she became the best chess player in all of Africa and one of the best chess players in the whole world. And, and, and here, if you haven't seen it, here's the movie trailer talking about this girl beginning to play chess and the difference it makes in her life. Watch this. I watched that last year with my family and I highly recommend it. I think that it is a brilliant movie. One of the themes that run throughout the show is that the game of chess teaches people to think so that they can make a plan. And as Fiona Matassi began to learn chess and began to use her mind and to think, it translated later on into her life. And she was able to, to discern what moves she needed to make in real life. So that then she began to make a plan and strategize about her life. Chess taught her how to use her God-given mind to think. Chess is a very, very complex game. The pieces don't act alike. They have different names. They move differently, side to side, uh, uh, two forward, one to the side, diagonally. It's a complex game, and, and in order to be good at it, you have to think well enough to be several steps ahead, not only of yourself, but often several steps ahead of the people you're playing against. And you have to keep the board balanced. And, and all of this requires a very sharp mind in order to be good at it. I think that our life is very complex as well. Your life is very complex. And without a sharp mind, you just won't be very good at it. Your, your life is complex, I, I know. You have to keep all of your relationships balanced. You have to keep the relationships balanced at work, the relationships balanced at home. All of these relationships you pour into, it gets complex. And then you have to think about your health. Uh, are, are you healthy? Are you beginning to eat things and not exercise and, and, and things that you shouldn't eat perhaps and you have to keep that in, 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 into account and then your finances, my goodness. Where do you invest, where do you not invest? How do you save, where do you spend? It begins to be more complex, our jobs and the demands that they have on our life in school and the vast responsibility of all of the academics for many of you who are going to school and studying these are huge responsibilities. And then you think, well, I haven't been in the community enough. Am I serving on the right kinds of community boards? Am I, am I involved in the community helping Marble Falls and the Highland Lakes area do well? And, and then there's my politics. Am I, am I on the right sides? Am I not on the right sides? Who do I vote for and vote against? And, and the politics becomes very complex. And then there's time management of all of it. You put it all together and am I spending the right time and all of these things. Have any of you ever been overwhelmed when you think about all of it? The complexity 
of our lives and how we have to get everywhere and be everywhere and be everything to everybody all the time. It's very complex and I've heard people who have retired that say, and don't be fooled, when you retired, it doesn't reduce the complexity. When you retire, everybody thinks you have all the time in the world and then everybody demands more of it. It seems like it just goes on and on and, 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 and as well, and on top of this, there are surprises that come at every move. Millions of possibilities. Um, and, and, and it makes our life almost impossible to predict. The Bible tells us that our life is very complex. The writer of Ecclesiastes that we believe is King Solomon, he says this, that the race is not always run or not always won by the fastest person. The, the battle is not always won by the bravest warrior. And he said, and the reason is because time plays a role. And time can begin to whittle away on the athlete and the warrior. It's because chance and, 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 and things you don't expect come up. The writer of Ecclesiastes is, is observing something that all of us have observed, that there are some things in our life that, that even though we think it's gonna have a certain outcome, it doesn't have the outcome that we thought it was going to have. Time changes everything. Sometimes bad things happen and life goes sideways. And there are limitless possibilities. And so if you're going to make the right move at the right time, it's going to require a mind that has been renewed and transformed in Jesus Christ. It's the only way to make it. And I'm going to talk about this idea of having a mind that's renewed in Christ in order that all of us may be able to adjust our lives and figure out the complexity of the life that we live. Romans 12 talks about it when Paul says, if you wanna know the will of God in the middle of this very complex world, you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And y'all, when you are renewed in your mind, it begins to simplify the complex things in life. If you feel overwhelmed, if you feel highly anxious, you can't get to everything, there is something so valuable about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. It, it, there are lots of advantages to it. I'm gonna share with you some of the advantages of having a mind that is renewed in Christ. But, but, but just overall, I've experienced it lately. On Thursday night, um, I was struggling. It was a very difficult night for me. I was discouraged by something that had happened earlier in the day and I couldn't see any way forward and I was carrying it with me and, and, and it had caused me a whole lot of frustration and just a whole lot of anxiety and, and, and I couldn't sleep. I came in and I was laying there and, and I'm tossing and turning and, and Megan says, are you okay? And, um, and, and I said, I just can't, I can't sleep. Finally, later in the night, I'm still awake, it's very late, I, I, I finally say, you know what, what if, what if I'm not supposed to be sleeping right now? What if kind of like Samuel, when he was laying in his bed, he began to be restless and he began to hear this voice talking to him and Eli said, you know what, it's good that you're awake. The next time you hear it, you, you say, yes, Lord, for your servant is listening, speak, Lord. And so I'm laying there and I thought, maybe I'm not supposed to be awake. God may want to, so I'll go outside. It's in the middle of the night, all the stars are out, and I just begin walking around our, our block. And, and I'm out there for quite a while. And, um, and, and, and when I'm out there, I just start to pray. And I look up at the stars and the sky and I start thinking about God and his magnificence. 
And, and here's what it does. It takes all of these frustrations that I had in my mind and it begins to, to very gently and very lovingly sort it out for me. It begins to put it in its place that being in the presence of God and allowing the Lord to speak to me somehow took all of my anxiety and, and, and God began to say, you know what? I'm so much bigger than all of this. It's going to be okay. And I began to even get clarity and even, beget, even get a little bit of a strategy in order to go forward. And finally, I, I, I go back inside and I lay down and I sleep like a baby for the rest of the night. Not like a baby that wakes up crying half of the night, but, but, but as the saying goes, I slept like a baby. A renewed mind in Christ very often can simplify the complex. And, 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 and y'all, as that happens, here are just a couple little advantages, and I wanna get very practical here and, and share with you that when you apply Romans chapter 12 in your life, that it has real practical implications for us. It definitely helps us do this, to keep the main thing the main thing. That your mind becomes um, renewed in Christ and he can begin to sort out all of the irrelevant data and the irrelevant information from the things that you ought to be and that I ought to be focusing on. And this is exceedingly important. Um, it's important more right now for our generation than it has been for any other generation. I believe that because we get more data and more information than any human beings before us. Well, what do y'all do with all of that information? Your brain has to do something with all of it. A number of years ago, there was an article in Newsweek magazine and it came out about some research that had been conducted to determine the effect that data or information overload had on people's minds and their ability to make good decisions. And, um, and here's a picture of the Newsweek cover that had it. And if you can't read uh, it because where you're sitting, it says, brain freeze, how the deluge of information paralyzes our ability to make good decisions. Now this is important, we're talking about renewing our mind in Jesus Christ. And if you cannot keep your mind renewed in Christ, then you begin to lose focus about the most important things, and then all of the other information that comes into your mind hinders our ability to make good decisions. And here is the research. They had two different groups. They had a, a group that, go in, that went into a room and they said for the next few hours we want you to check all of your social media and read everybody's posts. We want you to like it, we want you to dislike it, engage social media, and then we want you to read all of your emails, and then we want you to read all of your texts, and then we want you to read the news feeds and things like that. There was another group in another room, and they said, we just want you, all of you have to leave your cell phones outside. We just want you to spend time and think. You can talk to one another, but we just want you to think, and if you have an idea, you can write it down and journal it if you want to. At the end of that time, it was very simple. They came into the room and they said, we're gonna keep working in just a while, but we're, we're just taking um, everybody's, um, uh, what you want for lunch, um, and, and it's easy, you get ham or, and, and roast beef, and that's about it. The people who had been getting all of this information into their mind for the past few hours, struggled to make the easiest decision, do I want ham or roast beef? 
They struggled with it back and forth. What do we do? They, they, they struggled making the easiest decision because something happens to our minds when we're putting so much because we have to do something with the information of what our friend ate for lunch yesterday. And our minds have to filter and filter and filter all of those things. So let me ask you, in the middle of that, how often do you think that you have made the wrong decision? Because of all of the information that you've gotten and you have not been renewing your mind in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we lose focus on the most important things. And we begin to get all this other information and, and, and because our mind isn't set in Christ, we become to be distracted and we'd lose our priorities. I know this, that in the game of chess, sometimes you have to sacrifice something in order to win the game, don't you? But you don't sacrifice the most important thing. There's something that's gonna help you win the game and you're protecting that and you're sacrificing something else that, 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 that you can lose in order to win the game. Every day of your life, you have to choose in every moment that you're sacrificing something and you are holding on to something. Right now, some of you are sacrificing something. Games are being played, perhaps. There's work that you can be doing, perhaps. You're sacrificing all of that in order to come to worship. This is the sacrifice you're making. Um, every moment, you cannot be doing something else while you're doing that thing. Are you choosing the best things? We can only do one thing at a time, which means there's something else we have to let go of, and only a mind that is renewed in Christ Jesus are able to make good decisions about what you sacrifice and what you don't. Wouldn't you hate to get to a moment in your life and realize, for the past 30 years, I've been sacrificing the wrong things? I've given away my kids for this or that. I, I, I've given away my relationship with Christ for this or that thing. I've sacrificed the wrong things. Hannah reminded me that in the first Harry Potter book that there is a chess game that's played and Harry Potter's friend Ron sacrifices himself. You'll remember that. In order to win the game for Harry, he sacrifices himself. I believe that you're always gonna have to sacrifice something. Do you think, guys, that y'all are sacrificing the right things all the time? A renewed mind in Christ will help you to be able to cut through the data and cut through all the information and say, all right, I'm gonna put my time here, this is the main thing, and I'm gonna sacrifice all of this other stuff because that's irrelevant. This stuff won't help me. My contention is this, we will not be able to make a wise choice in that if we do not have a mind that is renewed in Christ Jesus. It's too hard, it's too complex. We're gonna mess it up and we're gonna mess everybody else's life up with us. And so there are other advantages. Here, here is a really important one, this is very practical. Having a mind that is renewed in Christ Jesus, as Paul wrote, to the Roman church, that you're able to test and approve what God's will is, if you're able to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, here is something that a renewed mind will help us be able to do, to discern between the fake and the false narratives and pictures and ideas that we see that are, that are blatant, 
miss um, uh, exaggerations and miscommunications, and they do it on purpose sometimes. How do y'all discern if something is fake or false? Um, I have seen Christians, Christians, forward things on email and, and Facebook or like things on those things, political ideas, which are obviously fake. They're liking fake things and false things or exaggerated things. And when they do, I immediately know what's going on. I don't believe that that person has been spending enough time with Jesus Christ to be able to be discerning enough or wise enough to be able to say, hold on for a second. Their mind has not been renewed enough in Christ and then they just buy in to a ton of falsities. Y'all, even if something supports an idea that you like, a transformed mind will not buy into it if it is false. If it is false, even if it supports, even if it supports something, um, a, a point that you believe in and something that you like, if there is something false about it and not real about it, a wise person whose mind is in Christ will not buy in to that kind of stuff. Here is a great example. Have any of you seen this picture lately? Okay, if y'all got that, and I've seen, I've, I've seen it around, this is a picture of our former president putting a medal on various people like Harvey Weinstein, the, um, uh, the man who hurt so many women up at the far right corner, and the, the caption at the, the top says, I didn't know that there was a sexual predator award. The implication, you can see what the, it's implying. Now, I saw a lot of Christians either like this on Facebook or send it to other people. All right, you can take it off. Take it off the screen. There you go. The issue is that it's false. Only one picture in those four are real. The rest are what's called superimposed. They have smart people like Bubba working for them. <laughs> and he's able to take pictures that are not true and put a human face on another body or create something different, and it looks that way. What the creator may have been trying to do is something that I spoke about last week. Let's say that the creator has in his or her mind that, well, if I can get everybody to believe this is true, then maybe the outcome will be something that I want people to believe and see. And what they think is, if I can do this, it justifies it in the end. But y'all, I preached on that last week. We establish this, that if you misrepresent something, it's never right. Even if you thought that you were accomplishing something good with it, it's never right, Christians. And so what you can do is you draw near to the Lord and you reflect and you let him renew your mind and then what happens is right after you've spent time with Christ and you're meditating on him and thinking and you come across things you know, like this and a thousand other things like it, the Lord will help you to have this red flag that begins to come up in your mind and you'll tell, the Holy Spirit will tell yourself, hold on. Why don't you just wait? Why don't you just wait a few days? Is there a chance that it's not true? Is there a chance that you're going to look like a fool? 
If you send something that ought not to be sent because it was never true to begin with, is there a chance? How much does it destroy our witness as Christians when we engage things that are not quite true, when things that are false? What is the solution in, in a world that's so complex that they're able to do a great job superimposing um, pictures and creating false narratives by clever writers? What is the solution in a world that is this complex? There's only one solution. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. And the Holy Spirit begins to give you wisdom to discern these types of things. There are so many advantages to this. Um, so how do we do it? How do we be transformed by the renewing of our mind? I'm glad you asked, here it is. There is no book and there is no conference that you can go to that will permanently give you an automatic renewed mind. Those things play an important role, but nothing automatically gets you there. It, 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 there, are no, there are no shortcuts to having a renewed mind. It's hard, it takes work and discipline. God transforms our ideas and our focus and our clarity when we renew ourselves in him through the disciplines of prayer and Bible study and fasting, and fasting. You wanna see something that will help you to keep the main thing the main thing? Go without food for a day. Fasting begins to move out all of the garbage. Fasting, silence, turning off everything turning off everything, spending time in silence or spending time in, in alone, times of solitary, like Jesus Christ often did where he would withdraw to, the Bible said, lonely places. I wonder if he was doing that so that he could renew his mind. Worship, worship and listening. If you're not going to a Bible study, either in your own life or here or somewhere, if you're not doing Bible study, it's gonna be hard for your mind to be renewed in Christ. And then you're not gonna make the right moves, like in a chess game. Your mind is not gonna be sharp enough to make the right moves when you need to make the right moves. Things will be too complex. This is why it's so important and these things that I'm talking about are the long, slow disciplines and habits of the Christian life. God uses these disciplines to adjust our mind and recenter us in what truth is. Things that are, he sets our mind on things that are noble and right and pure and excellent and praiseworthy and everything good. But those things come to our mind, truth comes to our mind when we focus on Christ and it helps us. If you wanna be transformed by the renewing of your mind in a complex world so that you can make the right chess move in life at the right time, the disciplines of the Christian life are the only, y'all, the only way to get it. Now, here's the last example of it. Look at this passage, I have it on the screen. This is Colossians chapter one, nine through 10. It says, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask, that you may be filled with knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
so that you will walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. Now, when I read that, I get a sense that that is the kind of person that can make the right moves in life in a complex world, don't y'all? They have knowledge, they have the spiritual wisdom. You know the word knowledge that Paul uses right there is an amazing word. The Greek word is called epigonosko. It does not mean just a head knowledge. It's not the kind of knowledge that you go to class and you've passed the test. Just the head knowledge and passing the test is, is the word gnosis. But Paul puts this little prefix epi in front of gnosis called epigenosis, and what that means is it's not just a a head knowledge, but it is an experiential knowledge. It's something that you have experienced in your own kind of life, that's what it is. It's the knowledge that you know God's will because you've experienced God's will in your past. And so you know God's will in the future because you've lived in it and you know what it feels like, you, you, you can sense it. It is the knowledge of God's will, epigenosis, that you know out of your past and being in God's will then. And you, you think, am I in God's will? Is this God's will? Can I feel it? You will know it because you've lived in it before. I know when I'm close to Megan and when I'm not. I've experienced being close to her before. I know that when, we, when, when we're communicating well and connecting and listening to each other and serving each other, I've been there. I've experienced it. And so that helps me to know when I, what's going on in the present in regard to us as well. We can know God's will like that too, an experiential kind of knowledge. Paul is saying, I don't want you just to know God's will in some kind of head knowledge, but I want you to be able to experience it over and over in your life so that you know it. In, in, in this verse, he also says uh, that you're given spiritual wisdom. The Greek word sunesis, it's, it's unique. It means a gathering together of knowledge and experience and information. And you put all of these things together and you piece them together in such a way that you have an understanding of what God wants you to do or what God wants you to be. Spiritual wisdom is the bringing together and the piecing together. It is a sharp mind. Like in a chess move, you're piecing it together so that you can make, God says, spiritual wisdom, uh, wisdom you can have this. Do y'all need that? Where do you get your knowledge to be able to piece together all of it and do well? Where where do y'all get it? You get it, is there some internet site? Askgod.com and you're going there often? Where do you get, do you get it when you go to your, do you just ask your Sunday school teachers all the time? Giving up your own mind all the time? Or are you being transformed in your own mind about what is right and what is good that you ought to be doing? Listen, this is what I know. In our complex world and in our complex lives, the only way to make the right move at the right time is for our minds to be deeply, deeply embedded in who Jesus Christ is. I don't think there's any other way. I've thought about it. I I, I tried to figure out, is there any other way in this complexity to make it? I really don't believe that there is. And it's so important so that one day we don't look back on our lives and we think, oh shoot, 
I sacrificed the wrong things over and over again. A person with the mind of Christ will make the right moves at the right time and in the end, that person will win the game. God wants you to have the mind of Christ, y'all. And he gives it to you and he wants you to be so deeply living in who Jesus Christ is because, here's why, because Jesus is the only person that walked this life and lived perfectly. He is the only person that died on the cross and he rose again and he came out of the grave and defeated death and he goes up to Satan and he says, checkmate, I win. And that's who we are planted in. I hope you are. If you are, then you get the checkmate too. You've been listening to the audio sermon podcast of First Baptist Church of Marble Falls, Texas. Never miss an archived sermon by subscribing to our podcast on either SoundCloud or iTunes. And to learn more about our church or watch a video version of this and other sermons, please visit us online at fbcmf.org.